Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm with the wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Time scare there, yeah. Hey, welcome. This is Man Up, Man Up Podcast, podcast number 65. And if you think I'm feeling a little saucy, I am because I'm glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Texas. And we are actually not in the Man Up studio, but we're in the groom's room. So, wow. Feeling a little little manly in yeah, here right now. So, <laughs> and, and all of us have been in a groom's room at one time or another in our lives. Maybe yeah, not yeah, this we, one. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, that, that is absolutely true. So, uh, <clears throat> and Sugarland is right outside of Houston, Texas. So, <clears throat> if you have a globe, spin it around. Hopefully, your finger will be on Texas. And then go to the southeast side, and then Houston, the southwest side of Houston, is Sugarland, and that is where we are. We feel that uh, this is a man up, the spiritual oasis for men. We feel that uh, faith is a muscle and needs regular exercise. And this is the kind of stuff, what we have with this panel here, that you can't talk about anywhere. You don't talk about it at work. And this is real men talking about faith and you don't get the church answers and you know that what makes us different man up is most men's ministry is service and yes we believe in service as well but the the lead needs to be fed and that's what we do here at man up our panel is varied not only by profession and you'll know uh, when i introduce them but also by their avocation as well and if you listen to our podcast they're on iTunes, and they're also archived on SoundCloud. You can post questions on our Facebook page, and we will answer them here. But our show is so different. You know, we designed it specifically for for guys. We even start with a summary, so for the next 10 minutes, you can listen. And if you, if you decide this is not for you, you can go ahead and turn it off. But uh, this is Man Up. This is what makes it different. And I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to introduce each of the fellas here uh, tonight, give you a little bit of idea on them, and then I'm going to have them introduce themselves so you can at least identify them. Uh, Back we have the professor. He is a corporate trainer. Mr. Robert Koshu is here. Sitting next to the judge, he's an attorney, he's prosecutor, Mr. Michael Cropper. Our insurance guy, Kyle Trahan, uh, he's a coon ass. We hold, don't hold that against him, though. He's, our, he's the deacon. <laughs> and we also have a policy writer, professional gambler, Mr. Steve's Titch. My name is Bill Cox. I'm just a sales guy, but I'm a writer and actor. I'm the director of Man Up. We are in a study called Connect 360. This is uh, the study of 1 Samuel. And this particular lesson, ex- Extending Grace to an Enemy, and like I promised before, what we do is we'll just talk about the lesson. I'll let each of the guys give a summary. 
I'll read the lesson and then we will discuss it. So I'm going to go ahead and start out with uh, Mr. Steve Titch. Uh, hi, everybody. Interesting lesson. It's um, one of the things um, that I find really worth talking about is the, I might say the difference between forgiveness and grace because both enter the picture of this. Uh, I want to get into that a little. Uh, we also see, uh, a, a, I think, a, a tremendous act of courage on David's part. Uh, he has an opportunity to kill Saul. Uh, our lesson kind of talks about it as retribution or revenge. I see it as more than that. Saul was trying to kill him. He was in an us. He was in a me or you situation, and nobody would have blamed him if he took that opportunity in the cave. Uh, to kill Actually, Saul. Actually, were encouraging. Uh, yeah, 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 they were encouraging him. Point himself. well taken. So, uh, and, yeah. and, and we'll see, again, an, in, an interesting lesson in leadership in this. Uh, so, uh, those are my opening okay. remarks. Okay. Kyle Trahan. You know, his second time to be able to do this. You know, the other time was in the tent, and he left the sword or the staff mm -hmm. or something well, this, sticking in the ground. Comes a little oh. It comes a little later, but yes. Yeah, right? Yes. This you know, <laughs> so he has uh, two interesting attempts anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so just, you know, again, for me, I, I'm still learning. So <laughs> interesting to, to see right. the dynamics of all of it. Michael Cropper. Hi, everyone. It's good to be here. Yes, we are talking about... Uh, Two different kings facing off, I guess you could say, <laughs> right? Right, right, right? Yes, right. they uh, Folks, if you've been following following us, uh, uh, the book of Samuel is just awesome. It, it, I mean, you can't find a more interesting book in the Bible, I think, than, than Samuel. Except Adam and Eve when we did Genesis. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> anyway, uh, folks, you have the present king, who is Saul, and you have David, who is to be the king. He has been, both men have been picked of God. Uh, to be king. Uh, God anointed both of them to be king. Both were also picked and anointed, as I, I repeat myself. Uh, both men prophesied under God's guidance and the Holy Spirit. Uh, God showed favor to both men by delivering their enemies into their hands. Uh, Saul at first, several times in very, very prominent victories and battles over both the Philistines and the Ammonites. And then David later, as he became uh, Saul's um, one of Saul's leaders of his armies. However, the perception here of the kingship is very different between the two. You have Saul. It changed for him over time. At first, he accepted God as being the king of Israel, which God is. God calls us his land and his kingdom. And, and Saul is to be his, his uh, leader, his guide, whatever God wants him to be as king. And Saul's perception of being king changes over to where it's actually Saul believes it's his kingdom, period. And then it comes to the point at which he leaves God out in his decision making. Where you have David who remains, who keeps the perception of Israel as the kingdom given to him by God. And his leadership is given to him and dictated him to by God. So under Saul, the leadership changed from God to Saul. And under David, the kingdom from the very beginning, was God's, and it will remain God's kingdom. Right, right. <clears throat> Professor. Yeah, um, before I give that real quick, I just if anyone's interested, I was 
interviewed today at, by Brianne Thompson at Northlight PG Podcast. So oh, if you want to hear anything nice. about learning and development, talent development, training, my right. day job, right, that right, was what right, the interview right. was. So I encourage anybody to go out. If you have any interest in that of our listeners, go take a listen. This is interesting. This is one of those times, as, as Mike said, it's two kings facing off. And Steve alluded to a forgiveness versus grace. And Kyle alluded this is the first of two times that actually this happens. This is a classic case of a leader not afraid. Who's not afraid. Often in today's world what I see a lot of and what happens a lot is when a leader gets threatened by the young up-and-coming guy, the leader will take anything and everything they do to take him out. And the young guy coming up, more often than not, will try to take out the old guy at the same time. And so this is a perfect example of someone willing to let God's timing take over and let God's timing work its way through as it moves. This is a great example of that for us to kind of watch and follow as we look at it. Well, that's exactly the way I looked at it. Um, Before I go ahead and read the scripture, uh, I didn't think that uh, extending grace to an enemy was aptly Uh, title uh, for this particular lesson. David lived in the court. It was more regime change. The anointing had left Saul. It was with David. These were just the final acts before Saul ultimately relinquished his crown. And I don't look at it necessarily as as an enemy, but because it was inevitable. It was going to happen. Now, how was it going to happen? This was one of the incidents that it did. So, and with that, we'll, I'll go ahead and read First Samuel 24. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel and went <clears throat> to see David and his men in front of the wild goat's rock. And then when he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave, Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave, and the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe, and afterward David his heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forgive, forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not protect, uh, permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterwards, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of the men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today in my hands in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, 
See the corner of your robe in my hand? For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, out of the wicked comes wickedness. But my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. As soon as David had finished speaking with these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt well with me, and that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul, and then Saul went home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. I can't help but to think that David said it to Saul, See, I could have had you, but I didn't. Well, that was the whole idea. Yeah. It was... But then he felt bad because of it. For, for one, he may have considered Saul at some point a friend. You know, oh, abs- a mentor, absolutely. A, a mentor, and you know, so uh, you're at this downfall that, you know, of, of any guy's relationship, you know, there's been some falling out. And somebody's always going to have, you know, hard feelings on it, no matter what. And this is definitely a hard falling out. Well, he, you know, he's throwing spears at him and everything. Well, and, and he called him my father in this. He said, right. see my father, which is, you know, I call my father-in-law father or dad. You know, when we're there. Because this is, remember, this is his father-in-law, too. He, he, got, right, the, he right. got the daughter. That's right. That's right. <laughs> As part of the thing. We're in the groom's room. That ties in. He got the daughter. So, I mean, there's a familial relationship. And in the passages before this, I was reading it before we came in here. And there was basically all out, flat out civil war. Saul had gone into basically the Benjamites and said, you need to stand with me against. He went to another place. Killed a bunch of the prophet, uh, a bunch of the priests of the yeah. Lord. We, we <laughs> talked in line with that. I'm glad you brought. We talked last week about yeah. where was the court support for Saul at this yeah. point. Those soldiers didn't want to follow that order. That's right. Yeah. Um, if yeah. You, well, it, they, he he ordered them to kill the priests who helped David, 
And the, 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 the guard said no. I think ultimately got some people to do it for yeah. him. But, he found some to do. But, but there's, there, is, there is this growing... I think there's finally a hint that there might be questions about Saul going on in the, in the upper echelons of his court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's go back to the, the part where David is in the cave. God mm-hmm. delivers Saul into his hands. Now, David did not have to come out and confront Saul. He was hidden, right? He's perfectly safe. It took a lot of faith to do what he did. David delivered himself back into the hands of Saul. Mm-hmm. Literally. This, this is what I think turns that whole cutting of the cloth away from being passive-aggressive. I mean, if, if he had done it, if he had done it and then snuck back to the cave, he, 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 I got your... Um, he comes out, he does that. Actually, he feels a little bad about it. That, that's an yeah. insult in yeah, and of it itself. It absolutely is. Uh, yeah, it's the mentor. Yes. And you have to go, why was Saul in the cave? He, was, it, he, had, really he had nature calls. Nature calls. <laughs> and, and when is a man more vulnerable <laughs> than that moment? <laughs> I mean, yes. With no clothes on. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. He's, he's, yeah absolutely. No, it, it's, it's a set of circumstances. Once again, if you don't believe in the Lord, you could say this is coincidental, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Or you could say, wow, God once again shows in normal circumstances, normal means and ways, how he can deliver your enemy. But it, it, it's interesting. Let's run with that for a minute, because it, and, and, and I'm gonna let, let's take that premise. Yeah. Now the David's mighty men are back there saying, "Well, God <laughs> delivered him, <laughs> and that What's means it's you? your you time to kill him." That's this right. Is, and and not only that, they're like quoting prophecy. Don't we? Well, Do that's what happened to Saul. I will deliver him up to you. And That's right. David says, "Oh, wait a minute!" But go, but but so so no, not only good. that. Now, now I wonder if 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 you know, dare we dare we raise it? Is God doing this just to see what David's going to do? Yes, <laughs> I think I David's absolutely choice agree with that. Oh, no, I, I, the test I, is, I agree is that it's a test. Yes, but yes, here's absolutely. the thing: David could have thought, "Hey, this is what how Saul failed." Early, he did not slaughter all of them. Everything they they oh, that was the turning point for Saul. That was the turning point for Saul. But David was enough of a free thinker that he decided he gave me the opportunity, but to handle it my way. Well, as of yet, he has not gotten or received any instructions from Samuel to kill Saul. Right? True. Yeah. Samuel is out of the picture at this That's point. That's correct. Well, and That's why isn't this his wife's father? Yeah. You whack dad. You pissed off the wife. There's a happy wife, happy life yes. scenario in my head as well. But no, I'm, I, think the, I think what's going on here is what you brought up earlier, is that Saul lost the spirit. Saul began to think it was his kingdom. Right. Yeah. David, what, what we have here is an, certainly a, an implied notion that he, I did not, I am not here to, you know, to be king of this nation. God put Saul there. It is not my place at this point to change that. That's right. He's still the, the anointed one. Yeah. Right. 
and and uh, so I, that's that's where I think the faithfulness comes in. And he, he later, he then when he confronts him, and says, "God will judge us. God will judge whatever happened between you and me." That's the tremendous act of courage, going out and going out into the open and saying that. And uh, no, that's no that's that's and that's where going getting back to saying that takes this beyond the let's cut off a cloth and back up. He comes out holding the cloth and said, look, I could have killed you. That is not what I'm trying to do well, here. He, even more, he prostrated himself. Yes. He bowed down well, and he, prostrated himself. He acknowledged himself. him as, right. as king. As king. Right. As still king. Um, right. Yeah. When, I, when he sees Saul, I think he looks past Saul. I really mm -hmm. do. I think when he saw Saul, he looked past and saw the kingdom of God behind him. But it had mm -hmm. moved on to him. So the anointing mm -hmm. had moved on to him. But as of yet, the kingdom had not mm -hmm. left Saul. If Saul had repented, I think God still would have honored him and given him a great mm -hmm. rest of his reign. But, but as far as anointing, David was to be the new king. None of mm -hmm. Saul's descendants would be the king. Right. Well, and I think this is just this is another aspect of David where you you, you put it, Billy. Thought outside the box a little bit. He's been thinking outside the box his entire life. You know, face mm -hmm. Goliath. Goliath went single yeah. combat. <laughs> yeah, not in this lifetime. Um, he, you know, he, that is one of his essences of his leadership is he has that ability to go outside the box and go beyond what everyone else sees as right and move beyond that to see what God would have him do. And I think that that is probably his greatest strength early on as he leads the kingdom, as he establishes the kingdom. I, I think that. it's a real, the interesting story, of course, is the relationship. Saul being the father-in-law, also being the mentor, but David also being able to elude Saul and Saul's attacks. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as if, because this is late in Saul's reign, and it's almost as if David is content to... Instead of killing him, just wear wearing out, wearing him out, wait him out. Yeah, and he's gonna die eventually, and I'll just take it from there. But also, but he's establishing a relationship with everybody around him, as we've talked about um, before. No so he's kind of created his own regime within Saul's, just waiting for the transition, and this is gonna be the back cover uh, of it, mm -hmm. as I see it. I think, uh, one more thing, address the point about uh, when David comes and talks to Saul. My question is, uh, do I think that David was afraid when he came out of the cave to face Saul? I absolutely think he was afraid. Now, he knew God had established the kingdom in his hands. He didn't know it was going to be there, but... I think even when we know we're doing the right thing, sometimes when there's a confrontation, we have a little bit of fear, and we have to face that fear and go out. The reason, the reason I want to point this out is, as you mentioned earlier, Steve, first of all, he addresses Saul as my lord, the king. Very, very respectable. And then he bows down, prostrates himself, and lay, so he subjects himself to, God, to Saul's authority, and possibly even death. To me... Uh, paying homage, you don't look up, right? When you bow to a king, you're at their mercy. You're at their hands, right? Sword then, comes a fly and you're done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It. 
Exactly. As I this see time he can't. Yes. I'm dead. Yes, he can't I never dodge the spear this time because he's now laying mm -hmm. in front of him, prostrate. And then, yeah. then, uh, and he tells Saul, "God delivered you into my hand." Then Saul was on trial to me before David's men, and David made the decision. He became the judge. David's men says, "Kill him." David made the decision as a judge. Says, "I will not do it." And then David refused to harm Saul, and David says, Saul, you are my Lord. And uh, he says, in verse uh, 10, he calls Saul my Lord. He calls him the Lord's anointed. Then he calls him his father. And he says, I have the corner of robe, your robe in my hand. And the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that I have no sin in me or treason in my hands for I have not sinned against you and then he goes into the prayer which you ended up with you mentioned it guys may the Lord judge between you and me may the Lord avenge me against you but my hand will not touch you my hand will not harm you and then uh, and the last some of the last verse he says and uh May the Lord therefore judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from my hand. So, I, again, I think he had fear, but he's speaking the words he knows to speak that God is my, my source of strength, my, my guidance, my everything. And that's excellent, Mike. We're getting ready to go ahead and take a break. We are in Connect 360, Character and the Crown. This is the Man Up Podcast, podcast number 65. You are listening to the Man Up Podcast, spiritual oasis for men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived, free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment, or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters, or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. And hey, welcome back. Uh, we are. This is Man Up, Man Up Podcast number 65, coming to you live on tape from Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Texas. We're not in the usual Man Up studio, but rather in the groom's room here. So we're acting a little more high dollar. We're in uh, Connect 360, Character in the Crown. And this particular one is Extending Grace to an Enemy. It's in 1 Samuel 24, and it is between Saul and David. And when David has the opportunity to kill Saul, but only cuts a corner off from his robe and then confronts Saul in front of the cave. And we're so glad you're here. Uh, <clears throat> you can find us on iTunes, archived 
on SoundCloud. We're also on YouTube, so if you want to see the fellas, see what they look like, we have a episode and a trailer that's on YouTube as well. And if you ever have a question, you can post it on Man-Up on our Facebook page, and we'll go ahead and we will answer that question here. And tonight's panel, the Deacon Kyle Trahan, Steve Titch, our policy writer, and Michael Cropper, uh, attorney, as well as trainer Robert Koshu. And my name is Bill Cox. I'm a sales guy, and I'm also the host. <clears throat> what we were also talking about, uh, I was talking about the complex relationship that David has with Saul. He's seen close hand the decline because he was in the palace, and he also married, as the professor pointed out, uh, one of Saul's daughters, or or was it you? It was Mr. Pink. He's always into relationships. <laughs> he's going to have curriculum coming out on that. But uh, anyway, um, but but that was that was the thing. And I was thinking that he's not really an enemy. This is more like a high stakes. Uh, domestic dispute. Again, the father-in-law concept. Yeah. Right. You guys mentioned, you know, that uh, David says father. Well, as soon as David finished speaking uh, these words to Saul, Saul said, is that your voice, my son? My son. Yes. And, and so the, the, the father-son, you know, father-in-law, son, whatever. For the last know? several chapters, Saul has just been calling him the son of Jesse. Yeah, right. he's been dead. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah, under breath. Right. That is a lot worse than that. <laughs> that is a good right. point. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Under breath, it is a lot worse than you said, Jesse. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. You know, so, that's right. Uh, your, your mother, the naked woman, or something? Yes, yes. Jonathan refused to kill David, Jonathan, so at uh, Saul again cusses Jonathan mm-hmm. says, Your mother is naked or whatever. Yeah. 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 So I'm gonna draw on, on the panel here of how long from this point of, of this chapter uh, did Saul reign? How much longer? I'm thinking about roughly? five years. I was looking Saul reign so short. Roughly forty years total. Right. Twenty five years into the reign is when David was anointed. We could probably run simple math that says five. the first five years of that were all play the harp, make me feel better, go kill the lion, put in charge of the army. And then probably the last ten years or so of this was the transition. Yeah, was was the the transition. All the mighty men, the battles, the caves, the stuff. Some of that in the last ten years of the reign. So anywhere from five to ten years after this. Okay. Longer. Thank you. Just as a um, guess. You know, so for me, one of those interesting points is Saul's transition in this story. You know, because, you know, David's given his speech. He's paid his homage. He's put his head down. He's given Saul all the power that if you wanted to take him out, he could. And Saul hears it and says, wow, you're a better man than I. You know, I've been kind of a jerk to you. <laughs> And you're being pretty good. You only cut a little corner and didn't kill me. And then he also pleads for his family's life. Because, again, we've talked in previous times that, you know, sometimes that new reign 
would come in this, and just take out the whole family this, and everything. Kind of like realize this, very often this is a genuine house. fear, especially back in the the eleventh century BC. Uh, that and and actually, it's kind of poignant here. We we come out and see some of Saul's motivation. He is really worried about this. He this ends up to be somewhat of a negotiation where Saul really concedes that David's going to be king. And then he asks this thing because uh, you go to and I've done this. You go to you go to ancient Egypt or you go to the, the temples that survive uh, down in in Luxor and 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 down down uh, on the Upper Nile, and you will see uh, hieroglyphs and cartouches and 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 drawings, artists of previous pharaohs will be crossed out, will be xed out because because a a the the the, the, the pharaoh that followed or the dynasty that followed decided we're going to obliterate that last pharaoh from the record. Uh, and, and that's, that's well, what, and, and you know, to the, be forgotten. to that would be if, if every, after every four years when we elected a new president, you went and pulled the old president out and killed him, his wife, his kids. <laughs> yes, well, that was, well, that was the yeah. standard yeah. thing. Yeah. But right up, right up through the Middle Ages, you, you left an heir. I mean, that's why, let's go back to 1917 when the they killed this Romanov. <laughs> they killed right. everybody because they did not want some loyalist to prop up, you know, even a, even yeah. a, a Anastasia yeah. or a child. Um, yeah. So, right. so right. this is, this is, I mean, this has been going on thousands of years. Uh, right. And, um, so there we have, and it's, it's a, it, it turns into a negotiation. And there's what, there's where I think as men, we can learn the art of forbearance and what you can gain from it. And if you don't necessarily see the, the, the well, I should say an enemy, your enemy does not see themselves as an enemy in their own eyes. Agreed. Saul, Saul is, Saul is, in Saul's mind, he's fighting for his kingdom. He's fighting for his family. He's fighting for his own a legacy, and David is a threat to that. They get that out on the table, and that, and and they avoid violence. That's and I mean we have that you know, wickedness leads to wickedness, uh, and there there's where the, I think the leadership lesson is because we've been we've been talking about this leading up to this the idea of. I'm I'm not going to do the rash thing. I'm not going to knock this guy off because I think in the long run that will create more problems than it will solve. But I am going to take a risk in basically talking to him. Thro you know, throwing he he actually David from black of better word throws himself at Saul's feet here Absolutely. and says and and takes a gamble cuz Saul is he's going in and out. You know, we don't know. He seems, you know, looking at it, some some scholars say, does he have bipolar? Is he is he gone? Is he does he is he mentally ill? I mean, one day he's he's throwing all the all his resources at finding David, and the next day, yeah, you know, he's a good nice guy. And as you see, he still continues to go back and forth in this in the remainder of the book, but. It, it's it's what you can gain from at least trying to meet your opponent halfway and trying to see this, trying to see him or her as something beyond an obstacle to you. Well, and acknowledging his place. Could the, mm -hmm. there, there were two parts mm -hmm. of this negotiation. 
in the first part of it, Saul says that I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. So he's acknowledging, mm-hmm. okay, you're going to be king. I get it. Then he puts in there, and this is negotiation tactic. Mm-hmm. It really is. <clears throat> now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. That is a standard step yes. in death. And it's mm-hmm. death of the regime. And it, that is the surrender. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he's done with the fighting. It, the anointing has been gone for years. David has even been in his house. So he may realize this is the anointed one. This is the next step. For me and my heirs, it's over. As good as it was, it is done. And this is the only play. That's for you, Steve, professional gambler. It was the only play Saul had. Well, well, I was going to say to keep that up is that David brilliantly induces a fold. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice gambling. <laughs> right? I, agree. I, I agree with that. Fingers. Though. And it was a good fold. It, it was, was a yeah. good. It was. It was yeah. a final. It was a final public oh, fold, and that's the. That's the. He he risked. Yes, he risked by going out in public and doing it, but any retaliation that was done to David would have been in public, and if any of those soldiers were on the fence at that time about Saul or the difference between, because they had to have been, they had to have seen what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, David's men did for sure. Absolutely. A couple of things on Steve's, you know, with that, uh, I don't know, psychosis or, you know, bipolar, yeah. I think you said, yeah. was, uh, you know, <clears throat> how much drugs and stuff of the like? I mean, think about today. You know, that if somebody's on drugs, if they're smoking peyote, whatever the heck, that they may get to that really paranoid, really out there state, you know, and this is, I mean, way back when. What the heck did they have back then that they didn't even understand what they were ingesting or whatever and how it could you know, be combined. So just some of that was a thought process that I had and who knows what the basis <laughs> that has, but just right. you know, one of those crazy thoughts. And, and you know, I don't know, I, I think that could have played uh, just a, a lot into it. Well, uh, and, and I think the fact that what did David and his men do after this? We didn't all kiss and make up and all go back to no. Gad or wherever right. Saul's right. kingdom was. was. David and his men go, we're going back to our stronghold. Because right. I think David knew, and we see it later, mm-hmm. that Saul had this psychosis. We've we've kind of alternately dis- discussed Steve's called bipolar. Um, we've talked depression. I think we're at a depressive psychosis moment. I think David knew that that was still going on, and yeah, this is the good Saul talking. But what else am I going to do? I'm not going to kill him. <clears throat> right. We've already established that he is not going to kill him. He just had the opportunity. Well, yeah, Saul's going to die, so he's got to go somewhere and wait it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not my time to take the throne. My time is after mm-hmm. Saul. 
And until God takes him off, all right. I've got to go somewhere. And you're not going back to the court. Yeah. That's just yes. not happening. You know, no, we can't. Especially he's got all the men following him. Right? <laughs> right. Right. He has his miniature army now, so right. he's got to keep mm-hmm. them up. Well, what what I found interesting, it was more discussed in the passages before this. Who David gathered around him? It was the outcast. Yes, yes. right. It Let's was the people that previous lesson weren't. Mm-hmm. You know. Real, he's Robin Hood. Yeah, yes, that's a great. That's that a great. Is, that is a great deal. That really in, is. In essence, I mean, yeah. so many times I've thought that reference. Yeah, yes. that, uh, that's a great because he took the priest, the priest that survived, <laughs> the yeah. massacre of the previous priest. And, it, and, and, and he, God made those men into extremely good warriors. We'll see in the in the future. Oh. Not just a few of them. A lot of them become some of the mightiest men in David's kingdom. And warriors, whenever he becomes a king, so God can work on men that gathered to him that were outcasts, and even change their hearts mm-hmm. and change their mm-hmm. courage and everything like that. So what you're saying, what you guys are saying, is just the whole picture itself becomes amazing when you when God. And see, kind of like us, you know, a bunch of outcasts. We come together. We're in a cave. That's what our wife said. We're in a cave <laughs> right now, but you know, we're winners. You know, all right. Turn so around. I, I got one. Uh, <laughs> you know, Saul comes to him and he he asks to have his family spared and all. Was he thinking of Jonathan then, or was he thinking the rest of the law? Oh, absolutely. Because he had just thrown the spear I, at Jonathan <laughs> and tried to kill him. Oh, I absolutely and agree. Yet, he was asking about right here, Jonathan. He's going, oh, save my family. You know, right. that I, I didn't I kill a minute ago. Caring, I think he's caring about everybody. He, he wants his family saved. From his daughter, Michael, the wife, who we, we find out in later passages, because David had run off and done his own thing, he gave Michael to somebody else. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, but he gets her back, buddy. Yeah, he does. He gets her back. <laughs> What, can we talk a little bit about forgiveness and grace? Yes. Um, yes. The two different, and, and they use somewhat interchangeably in this lesson, but I see two different things here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out. Is, is, what is the difference? I did the same thing in my class. What is the difference between forgiveness and grace? Grace is giving something that you don't deserve, and forgiving is just taking... Forgiving something trainer. that was done to you. That you know, trainer comes that's, through. That's kind of a classic definition. Yes, well, it's like, <laughs> of course, grace, we, we see David extending that. Yes. So yes. Right? And I, forgiveness as well. I'm more of an yeah, artist, and I'm a visual guy. Grace is a blanket. Forgiveness is pinpoint. Ooh, ooh, okay. Grace is a blank. So you have a, a blanket of grace. Yeah. Okay. But forgiveness is a specific. Very specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I'm looking at you, Judge, because that, I mean, that would be <laughs> like illegal. That. He deals with forgiveness and I'm going with the legal definition. Well, I don't have any so. blankets in the courtroom. Uh, uh, we are not there to coddle you, I right, right. say. <laughs> you do not get a warm and fuzzy feeling. I, I think that's a great. I think that's I, a great. I, 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 I really would is. tend to see it as. as do you have that for if, if if someone if someone were to steal my car, yeah, and drive around, you know, maybe not wreck, but basically, I get it back. It's not like some kid steals the car, uh, which would be a felony. Uh, um, and, well, I get the car back, 
And I would say, all right, I forgive him. I let it go. I let it go. Okay, the kid's still got to go to court. <laughs> and if he gets a suspended sentence, that's grace. So forgiveness, I think, is something, you know, something that, that I let off my, my chest, so to speak. I am, right. I am leaving behind my anger or my bitterness. Resentment. Or my resentment. Yes. Grace That's is right. the escaping of you know, the consequences. The legal, the legal or, consequences or, or, you know, getting something, you know, and, and uh, sometimes a, someone who's forgiving can't extend the grace. Sometimes grace gets extended, I think, without forgiveness. But um, I think that's, that's, I think grace is the, as forgiveness does not, and, and this I think is sometimes misunderstood. Forgiveness oh, yes, does not, not mean I'm going to overlook the consequences. I, you know, I may be, you know, I may, that, that's, the, they're two different things. So I may be angry at, at my, at my son for doing something. He still might get punished even though I'm just going to stop, you know, getting, being mad about it. Those are the consequences. That's, there's a diff, that's, so getting out of, getting out of the punishment is grace. That's, that, 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 that's another good that's, one that I was going to say. I was going to say the, um, the actual best example of this is what Christ did on the cross. Mm-hmm. Christ's yes. sacrifice bought us grace. Yes, but yes. we but have he, to have the forgiveness comes as part mm-hmm. of that, but the grace covers mm-hmm. all. But and, and he bore the penalty. The That's correct. A, he bore. There was still a penalty. He, he took that. He took that. Right. That is correct. Right, and so throwing in the Jesus mm-hmm. thing on the yes, cross well, kind of messes are. with what I was going to say. Okay. But, no, no, uh, bring us, bring us, bring it, bring it in. What I was thinking is forgiveness is for me. Grace is for others. Grace is something that, that I yes, yeah, that's what I get. The forgiveness the is, comes is through me. That right. when I forgive, because if I'm holding on, I have that drudge. Steve has wronged me and Dag blasted. I am angry at it and I'm holding on to it and I'm not forgiving whatever the guy has done. Right. That eats at me. More than it does him. It's having a rat you know, problem, but buying rat poison, eating it, waiting for the rat to die. In yeah. most <laughs> cases, when I forgive him, it gives me Peace. a release, Absolutely. but it also extends grace to him mm-hmm. because of the release that it gives in me. So it's really an interesting twofold no, and, and Go a step scenario. further, holding on to that can affect the people around you. Holding on right? to that. Oh, and especially as a man yes. being a leader of your circle of influence, you're setting the table. If yes. you have that kind of anxiety, bitterness, anxiety. You, you know, absolutely you're affecting the relationship of the others with them. No oh, question absolutely. about it. Yeah, you can drive down the street when you're angry at somebody, right? And Make a dozen other people angry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But if you're going to... Miss that turn. Run that red light. (laughs) That's right. If you're going to wave, use more than one finger. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right, We're coming down to the end of podcast number 65. We are in character in the crown. We've been talking about extending grace to an enemy. And want to uh, go ahead and uh, just get some final comments from the panel here. Uh, start with uh, with our judge, Michael Cropper. Uh, folks, this is a great lesson, great story. Um, 
I want to reemphasize what we've said all night. Uh, first, this is this is a, a an illustration where God actually delivers Saul into David's hands completely, and then David turns around and delivers himself back into Saul's hands, believing that what he's doing is God's will. Now, the author of our lesson makes a couple sentences here uh, for you guys. If you guys your lesson, it's page one five. He says, "God, Saul's pursuit of David." resulted in David's pursuit of Saul. In God's economy, one will never know when the hunter might become the hunted. Oh, excellent. That is outstanding. Okay. Kyle Trahan. You know, for this one, you know, we've done such an interesting study on David and actually some of the, the future stuff after what we're studying now. And he's such an interesting fellow, you know, um, such restraint that he has shown through however long it's been since Samuel anointed him. I mean, you just... Right, it wasn't told, overnight. That's a fact. You, yeah, you've just been, been told... Yeah, well, you know, the, the land of Israel is going to be yours. The kingdom of God that, you know, the kingdom, whatever that's put, uh, it's yours. And he is so such restraint, and he's been under the gun, under pressure. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's what all man up is about, is how you handle the pressure, because we will all get it. Oh, yeah. All of your life. All right. I don't think there's a time in life that I've heard people really stop getting pressure. I mean, you may go through a period where you don't have some, you know, but it's it's showing the the grace, the character, and the crown. The name of our book here. Um, he really exhibited those characteristics uh, in in this lesson. Excellent. Koshu, the professor. Final I, I, comments. I'm going to go back to what David, back to what Kyle said. David has been really someone that we've we've probably hit him at least not quite fifty percent, but at least a third of the year we've been doing this podcast has been on stuff with David. Stories, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah, and it's just amazing to me how his reactions his actions his attitudes and everything that he's done has really exemplified leadership and what man up is all about from his good stuff to his foibles that we have we have Covered his foibles. Right, <laughs> you know, right, right. You know, later in life, he had some good foibles. I, I hope we get a lesson on that soon because we'd probably have a good time with that right, one. Right. But just yeah. the amazing story of David. If if men want to know what a man is supposed to be and how a man is supposed to act, go study David's life in First and Second Samuel. Right. And right, read, yeah. read, you know, the whole the whole thing, not just the little pieces we've hit, but right. the overarching. Aspect. Mr. Steve, your final thoughts. I've got uh, not much to add other than we see how David deals with pressure by maintaining a relationship with the Lord, by not letting his emotions get the better of him, uh, 
uh, by trying to at least uh, stay centered on where he is and what the situation is beyond the immediate moment. And that, when, that serves him well when he remembers to do that. <laughs> and that's probably one of the best examples we can have. <clears throat> I want to uh, thank you so much for listening. I just want to throw in the last couple of comments that I had. David is a gamesman. And this, I, I mean, you think about this is high stakes. You think about it. It, I mean, it, it is so unlike what happens in today's world. It's almost as if the armies line up and the two generals come out into the middle of the battlefield to decide the fate. I mean, it is just so filled with tension. And you think about that, those moments. It doesn't happen a lot, but it will happen in your life, especially if you're a man. And that's why we want to make sure that you listen to this podcast. This is Man Up. <clears throat> we feel that faith is a muscle, and you need to make sure that you exercise on a regular basis. And thanks so much for joining us here, Man Up, a spiritual oasis for men. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Facebook. And if you're ever in Sugarland, Texas area, we invite you to stop in and join us. But we also encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church, get involved in a men's-only adult Bible fellowship, which is a Sunday school, and if there isn't one, start one. Thanks so much for listening. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want anything. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.